Paper 4. The Universal Creator's Relation to the Universe The Universal Creator has an eternal purpose pertaining to the material, intellectual, and spiritual phenomena of the universe of universes, which the Creator is executing throughout all time. The Universal Source created the universes through free and sovereign will and created them in accordance with an all-wise and eternal purpose. It is doubtful whether anyone except the Paradise Deities and their highest associates really knows very much about the eternal purpose of the First Source. Even the exalted citizens of Paradise hold very diverse opinions about the nature of the eternal purpose of the Deities. It is easy to deduce that the purpose in creating the perfect central universe of Havona was purely the satisfaction of the divine nature. Havona may serve as the pattern creation for all other universes and as the finishing school for the pilgrims of time on their way to paradise. However, such a supernal creation must exist primarily for the pleasure and satisfaction of the perfect and infinite deities. The amazing plan for perfecting evolutionary mortals and, after their attainment of paradise and the core of the finality, providing further training for some undisclosed future work, does seem to be, at present, one of the chief concerns of the seven super-universes and their many subdivisions. But this ascension scheme for spiritualizing and training the mortals of time and space is by no means the exclusive occupation of the universe intelligences. There are indeed many other fascinating pursuits which occupy the time and enlist the energies of the celestial hosts. Section 1. The Universe Attitude of the First Source and Center for ages, the inhabitants of Urantia have misunderstood the providence of the first source and center. There is a providence of divine outworking on your world, but it is not the childish, arbitrary, and material ministry many mortals have conceived it to be. The providence of the Creator consists in the interlocking activities of the celestial beings and the divine spirits who, in accordance with cosmic law, unceasingly labor for the honor of the Creator and for the spiritual advancement of the universe children. Can you not advance in your concept of the Creator's dealing with mortals to that level where you recognize that the watchword of the universe is progress? Through long ages the human race has struggled to reach its present position. Throughout all these millenniums, Providence has been working out the plan of progressive evolution. The two thoughts are not opposed in practice, only in humanity's mistaken concepts. Divine Providence is never arrayed in opposition to true human progress, either temporal or spiritual. Providence is always consistent with the unchanging and perfect nature of the Supreme Lawmaker. There is no limitation of the forces and personalities which may be used to uphold the Creator's purpose and to sustain the universe creatures. The Creator constantly upholds all things material and all beings spiritual. The universes are eternally stable. There is stability in the midst of apparent instability. 
There is an underlying order and security in the midst of the energy upheavals and the physical cataclysms of the starry realms. The universal source has not withdrawn from the management of the universes and is not an inactive deity. If the source should retire as the present upholder of all creation, there would immediately occur a universal collapse. Except for the source, there would be no such thing as reality. At this very moment, as during the remote ages of the past and in the eternal future, the source continues to uphold. The divine reach extends around the circle of eternity. The universe is not wound up like a clock to run just so long and then cease to function. All things are constantly being renewed. The Creator unceasingly pours forth energy, light, and life. The work of the Creator is literal as well as spiritual. A being of my order is able to discover ultimate harmony and to detect far-reaching and profound coordination in the routine affairs of universe administration. Much that seems disjointed and haphazard to the mortal mind appears orderly and constructive to my understanding. But there is very much going on in the universes that I do not fully comprehend. I have long been a student of, and am more or less conversant with, the recognized forces, energies, minds, moranches, spirits, and personalities of the local universes and the super-universes. I have a general understanding of how these agencies and personalities operate, and I am intimately familiar with the workings of the accredited spirit intelligences of the grand universe. Notwithstanding my knowledge of the phenomena of the universes, I am constantly confronted with cosmic reactions which I cannot fully fathom. I am continually encountering apparently fortuitous conspiracies of the interassociation of forces, energies, intellects, and spirits, which I cannot satisfactorily explain. I am entirely competent to trace out and to analyze the working of all phenomena directly resulting from the functioning of the universal creator, the eternal spirit, the infinite mind, and, to a large extent, the Isle of Paradise. My perplexity is occasioned by encountering what appears to be the performance of their mysterious coordinates, the three absolutes of potentiality. These absolutes seem to supersede matter, to transcend mind, and to supervene spirit. I am constantly confused and often perplexed by my inability to comprehend these complex transactions which I attribute to the presences and performances of the unqualified absolute, the deity absolute, and the universal absolute. These absolutes must be the not fully revealed presences abroad in the universe which, in the phenomena of space potency and in the function of other super-ultimates, render it impossible for physicists, philosophers, or even religionists to predict with certainty as to just how the primordials of force, concept, or spirit will respond to demands made in a complex reality situation involving supreme adjustments and ultimate values. There is also an organic unity in the universes of time and space, which seems to underlie the whole fabric of cosmic events. This living presence of the evolving supreme being, this imminence of the projected incomplete, 
is inexplicably manifested by what appears to be an amazingly fortuitous coordination of apparently unrelated universe happenings. This must be the function of providence, the realm of the supreme being and the conjoint actor. I am inclined to believe that it is this far-flung and generally unrecognizable control of the coordination and interassociation of all phases and forms of universe activity that causes such a variegated and apparently hopelessly confused medley of physical, mental, moral, and spiritual phenomena so unerringly to work out to the glory of the Creator and for the good of mortals and angels." But in the larger sense, the apparent, quote, accidents, end quote, of the cosmos are undoubtedly a part of the finite drama of the time-space adventure of the Creator's eternal manipulation of the absolutes. Section 2. The Universal Creator and Nature Nature is in a limited sense the physical habit of the Creator. The conduct or action of the Creator is qualified and provisionally modified by the experimental plans and the evolutionary patterns of a local universe, a constellation, a system, or a planet. The Creator acts in accordance with a well-defined, unchanging, immutable law throughout the wide-spreading Master Universe but modifies the patterns of action so as to contribute to the coordinate and balanced conduct of each universe, constellation, system, planet, and personality in accordance with the local objects, aims, and plans of the finite projects of evolutionary unfolding. Therefore, nature, as mortals understand it, presents the underlying foundation and fundamental background of a changeless deity, whose immutable laws are modified by, fluctuating because of, and experiencing upheavals through the working of the local plans, purposes, patterns, and conditions which have been inaugurated and are being carried out by the local universe, constellation, system, and planetary forces and personalities. For example, as the universal creator's laws have been ordained in Nebadon, they are modified by the plans established by the local universe creator and creative spirit. And in addition to all this, the operation of these laws has been further influenced by the errors, defaults, and insurrections of certain beings resident upon your planet and belonging to your immediate planetary system of Satania. Nature is a time-space resultant of two cosmic factors. First, the immutability, perfection, and rectitude of Paradise Deity, and second, the experimental plans, executive blunders, insurrectionary errors, incompleteness of development, and imperfection of wisdom of the extra Paradise creatures from the highest to the lowest. Nature, therefore, carries a uniform, unchanging, majestic, and marvelous thread of perfection from the circle of eternity. But in each universe, on each planet, and in each individual life, this nature is modified, qualified, and possibly marred by the acts, the mistakes, and the disloyalties of the creatures of the evolutionary systems and universes. And therefore must nature always be of a changing mood, 
whimsical withal, though stable underneath, and varied in accordance with the operating procedures of a local universe. Nature is the perfection of paradise divided by the incompletion, evil, and sin of the unfinished universes. This quotient is therefore expressive of both the perfect and the partial, of both the eternal and the temporal. Continuing evolution modifies nature by augmenting the content of paradise perfection and by diminishing the content of the evil, error, and disharmony of relative reality. The Creator is not personally present in nature or in any of the forces of nature. For the phenomenon of nature is the superimposition of the imperfections of progressive evolution and, sometimes, the consequences of insurrectionary rebellion upon the paradise foundations of the Creator's universal law. As it appears on such a world as Urantia, nature can never be the adequate expression, the true representation, the faithful portrayal of an all-wise and infinite Creator. Nature on your world is a qualification of the laws of perfection by the evolutionary plans of the local universe. What a travesty to worship nature because it is in a limited, qualified sense pervaded by the Creator, because it is a phase of the universal and therefore divine power. Nature also is a manifestation of the unfinished the incomplete, the imperfect outworkings of the development, growth, and progress of a universe experiment in cosmic evolution. The apparent defects of the natural world are not indicative of any such corresponding defects in the character of the Creator. Rather are such observed imperfections merely the inevitable pauses in the exhibition of the ever-moving reel of infinity picturization. It is these very defect interruptions of perfection continuity which make it possible for the finite mind of material mortals to catch a fleeting glimpse of divine reality in time and space. The material manifestations of divinity appear defective to the evolutionary mind of mortals only because they persist in viewing the phenomena of nature through natural eyes, human vision unaided by marancha moda or by revelation, its compensatory substitute on the worlds of time. And nature is marred, its beautiful face is scarred, its features are seared by the rebellion, the misconduct, the misthinking of the myriads of creatures who are a part of nature, but who have contributed to nature's disfigurement in time. No, nature is not the creator. Nature is not an object of worship. Section 3. The Universal Source's Unchanging Character All too long, humans have thought of the universal source as one like themselves. The source is not, never was, and never will be jealous of humans or any other beings in the universe of universes. Knowing that the local universe creator intended humans to be the masterpieces of the planetary creation, to be the rulers of all the earth, the sight of mortals being dominated by their own baser passions, the spectacle of their bowing down before idols of wood, stone, gold, and selfish ambition, 
These sordid scenes stir the universal source and the local universe creators to be jealous for humans, but never of them. The eternal source is incapable of wrath and anger in the sense of these human emotions, and as mortals understand such reactions. These sentiments are mean and despicable. They are hardly worthy of being called human, much less divine. And such attitudes are utterly foreign to the perfect nature and gracious character of the universal source. Much, very much of the difficulty which you rancho mortals have in understanding the universal source is due to the far-reaching consequences of the Lucifer Rebellion and the Caligastia Betrayal. On worlds not segregated by sin, the evolutionary races are able to formulate far better ideas of the universal source. They suffer less from confusion, distortion, and perversion of concept. Nothing ever done, now being done, or ever will be done is regretted by the Creator, who is all-wise as well as all-powerful. Human wisdom grows out of the trials and errors of human experience. Divine wisdom consists in the unqualified perfection of infinite universe insight, and this divine foreknowledge effectively directs the creative free will. The universal source never does anything that causes subsequent sorrow or regret. But the will creatures of the planning and making of creator personalities in the outlying universes, by their unfortunate choosing, sometimes occasion emotions of divine sorrow in the personalities of their divine parents. But though the universal source neither makes mistakes, harbors regrets, nor experiences sorrows, the source is a being with a parent's affection, and whose heart is undoubtedly grieved when children fail to attain the spiritual levels they are capable of reaching with the assistance which has been so freely provided by the spiritual attainment plans and the mortal ascension policies of the universes. The infinite goodness of the universal source is beyond the comprehension of the finite mind of time. Therefore, a contrast with comparative evil, parentheses, not sin, end parentheses, for the effective exhibition of all phases of relative goodness must always be afforded. Perfection of divine goodness can be discerned by mortal imperfection of insight, only because it stands in contrastive association with relative imperfection in the relationships of time and matter in the motions of space. The character of the universal source is infinitely superhuman, Therefore, such a nature of divinity must be personalized, as in the divine bestowals, before it can even be faith-grasped by the finite minds of mortals. Section 4. The Realization of the Universal Source The universal source is the only stationary, self-contained, and changeless being in the whole universe of universes, having no outside, no beyond, no past, and no future. The source is purposive energy, parentheses, creative spirit, and parentheses, and absolute will, and these are self-existent and universal. The universal source is self-existent and absolutely independent. The very identity of the source is inimical to change and is immutable. 
But not until you achieve paradise status can you even begin to understand how the source can pass from simplicity to complexity, from identity to variation, from quiescence to motion, from infinity to finitude, from the divine to the human, and from unity to duality and triunity. And the source can thus modify the manifestations of absoluteness because divine immutability does not imply immobility. The source has will, is will. The universal source is the being of absolute self-determination. There are no limits to the source's universe reactions, except those which are self-imposed, and free will acts are conditioned only by those divine qualities and perfect attributes which inherently characterize the eternal nature. Therefore, the source is related to the universe as the being of final goodness plus a free will of creative infinity. The universal source is the creator of the central and perfect universe and the source of all other creators. The universal source shares personality, goodness, and numerous other characteristics with mortals and other beings, but maintains sole possession of infinity of will. The source is limited to creative acts only by the sentiments of the eternal nature and by the dictates of infinite wisdom. The source personally chooses only that which is infinitely perfect, hence the supernal perfection of the central universe. And while the local universe creators fully share the divinity and even phases of the universal source's absoluteness, they are not altogether limited by that finality of wisdom which directs the source's infinity of will. Hence, in the Michael order of beings, Creative free will becomes even more active, wholly divine, and well-nigh ultimate, if not absolute. The universal source is infinite and eternal, but to deny the possibility of the source's volitional self-limitation amounts to a denial of this very concept of volitional absoluteness. The universal source's absoluteness pervades all seven levels of universe reality. And the whole of this absolute nature is subject to the relationship of the source to the universe-creature family. Precision may characterize Trinitarian justice in the universe of universes, but in all the universal source's vast family relationship with the creatures of time, the source of universes is governed by divine sentiment, first and last, eternally, the infinite source is apparent. In the universal creator, free will performances are not ruled by power, nor are they guided by intellect alone. The divine personality is defined as consisting in spirit and manifesting to the universes as love. Therefore, in all personal relations with the creature personalities of the universes, the first source and center is always and consistently a loving parent. The source is apparent in the highest sense of the term, is eternally motivated by the perfect idealism of divine love, and that tender nature finds its strongest expression and greatest satisfaction in loving and being loved.
In science, the universal source is the first cause. In religion, the universal and loving parent. In philosophy, the one being who exists alone, not dependent on any other being for existence, but beneficently conferring reality of existence on all things and upon all other beings. But it requires revelation to show that the first cause of science and the self-existent unity of philosophy are the deity of religion, full of mercy and goodness, and pledged to affect the eternal survival of the mortal children on earth. We crave the concept of the infinite, but we worship the experience idea of the Creator, our anywhere and any time capacity to grasp the personality and divinity factors of our highest concept of deity. The consciousness of a victorious human life on earth is born of that creature faith which dares to challenge each recurring episode of existence when confronted with the awful spectacle of human limitations by the unfailing declaration, even if I cannot do this, there lives in me one who can and will do it a part of the absolute source of the universe of universes. Section 5. Erroneous Ideas of Deity Religious tradition is the imperfectly preserved record of the experiences of the deity-knowing people of past ages, but such records are untrustworthy as guides for religious living or as the source of true information about the universal creator. Such ancient beliefs have been invariably altered by the fact that primitive humans were myth-makers. One of the greatest sources of confusion on Urantia concerning the nature of deity grows out of the failure of your sacred books to clearly distinguish between the personalities of the Paradise Trinity and between Paradise Deity and the local universe creators and administrators. During the past dispensations of partial understanding, your priests and prophets failed to clearly differentiate between planetary administrators system sovereigns, constellation rulers, local universe creators, super-universe governors, the supreme being, and the universal source. Many of the messages of subordinate personalities, such as life carriers and various orders of angels, have been, in your records, presented as coming directly from the universal source. Urantian religious thought still confuses the associate personalities of deity with the universal source, so that all are included under one name. The people of Urantia continue to suffer from the influence of primitive concepts of deity. The deities who go on a rampage in the storm, who shake the earth in their wrath, and strike down mortals in their anger, who inflict their judgments of displeasure in times of famine and flood, these are the deities of primitive religion. They are not the deities who live and rule the universes. Such concepts are a relic of the times when humans supposed that the universe was under the guidance and domination of the whims of such imaginary deities. But mortals are beginning to realize that they live in a realm of comparative law and order as far as concerns the administrative policies and conduct of the supreme creators and the supreme controllers. The barbarous idea of appeasing an angry deity, of propitiating an offended ruler, 
of winning the favor of deity through sacrifices and penance, and even by the shedding of blood, represents a religion wholly immature and primitive, a philosophy unworthy of an enlightened age of science and truth. Such beliefs are utterly repulsive to the celestial beings and the divine rulers who serve and reign in the universes. It is an affront to the Creator to believe, hold, or teach that innocent blood must be shed in order to win favor or to divert the fictitious divine wrath. The Hebrews believed that, quote, without the shedding of blood, there could be no remission of sin, end quote. They had not found deliverance from the old and pagan idea that the deities could not be appeased except by the sight of blood, though Moses did make a distinct advance when he forbade human sacrifices and substituted in the primitive minds of his childlike Bedouin followers the ceremonial sacrifice of animals. The bestowal of a local universe creator on your world was inherent in the situation of closing a planetary age. It was inescapable, and it was not made necessary for the purpose of winning the favor of the universal source. This bestowal also happened to be the final personal act of a local universe creator in the long adventure of earning the experiential sovereignty of the local universe. What a travesty upon the infinite character of the source, this teaching that the parental heart in all its austere coldness and hardness was so untouched by the misfortunes and sorrows of creatures that the Creator's tender mercies were not forthcoming until the blameless Jesus bled and died upon the cross of Calvary. But the inhabitants of Urantia are to find deliverance from these ancient errors and pagan superstitions respecting the nature of the universal creator. This revelation of the truth about the creator is appearing, and the human race is destined to know the universal source in all that beauty of character and loveliness of attributes so magnificently portrayed by the local universe creator who sojourned on Urantia as Jesus of Nazareth. This paper had been originally presented by a divine counselor of Uversa.